Well, hello and welcome to another edition of this special series of Youthscape podcasts um, with me, Martin Saunders in Rygate and uh, up in Preston, Rachel Gardner. And uh, I'll tell you, we're recording this on Sunday evening for reasons which we'll go to uh, in a moment. But uh, Rachel, how are you doing up there? I don't know about you, Martin, but um, today, for some weird reason, Sunday feels like the first serious day of us not being with each other. I think because most of us had church digitally, Hmm. um, and and I and I think because most of us now in the country, if we have children going to school, are not going to school tomorrow. So it it feels like we're entering a new space, and I have to say, I have a really heavy heart tonight, and then. Kind of, yeah, kind of a sadness, a bit of a grieving of things that we know are not going to happen anymore. Um, but also still e- eager to e- enter each stage really mindfully and really strategically about what youth ministry looks like, even as things have to change at the last second. So, yeah, yeah I'm feeling, feeling heavy heart, I guess. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, So let me tell you how life's going to get a bit complicated uh, here from tomorrow. So uh, my wife is a a school teacher. So she is a she's a key worker herself, but she is going to be carrying on uh, in school. And she'll be uh, she'll be looking after the children of families, really, where there are two key workers or where um, where there's no one at home who can safely look after um, a a child. And so uh, that means I will be at home running uh, a small school of my own. I'll be homeschooling. I'll be Mr. Saunders uh, from tomorrow. And uh, and I've got four children aged uh, six, nine uh, 12 and 14 and I shall be attempting somehow to uh, to kind of help them all in their education whilst also to do the vital work that a director of innovation does whatever that is at Youthscape um, and and trying to lead the youth work at my church as well so it's going to be I think I'm stepping into a a, a time now where I'm going to be pretty flat out um, and there's no I can't see any other way around it um, because the kids obviously need me um, and uh, and I love that and I love that I can invest in them but also um, I will continue to work and and I guess that is the um, that is going to be the tension and the challenge uh, faced by an awful lot of people at the same time um, right now. So a lot of people will be thinking, gosh, I've suddenly got a lot of time on my hands in some senses. Um, but then there'll be an awful lot of us who are going to be working harder than you would ever suggest anyone worked for the next little while. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I think the, the added thing to it is today I've had a lot of friends on the phone saying Rach I know that we said that we would do this and maybe we could do that but we just we just can't we've got to just stop and I and I need to hear that because I I am absolutely picking up the message about social distancing but I am a raging extrovert and I do think it takes a lot longer for someone like myself to, for, to really dawn on me like oh not only have I got my children home that's that's great I'm excited about that although I'm daunted but I'm but I'm also not able to then pop in and see some friends and and all the, the strength and energy that we get we get from them so I think it's good it is good to air that and it's not it's not moaning is it it's not kind of like a woe is me because we're all in the same space I think it is quite good for everyone to, to be able to name ah these are the particular challenges and, the, and my normal 
network. Oh, okay, I've got access to them differently. So, yes, I think this is going to be um, extraordinarily character-forming, Martin. <laughs> character-forming for all of us. Um, yeah, absolutely. And who knows, when we emerge into the daylight and whatever time, we, we are going to be a different breed of humans aren't we all of us every single one of us it's these are these are extraordinary times i think we have got to the point now we've realized we are going through uh, an historic moment and uh it feels incredibly prophetic that we just had the youthscape lecture about great shifts in culture uh just a few weeks ago because um because i think we are it's taking us by surprise but we are going through one of those great cultural shifts where uh, after this like the world will not be the same and people will not be the same. And there will be some things that have changed. Probably there's some things that have changed in a good way. Um, and, uh, and also there'll be some really tough times. So, um, so yeah, we are living through a historic moment. I, I, this evening, even like you, I'm an extrovert and I thought still I might be able to get out with my family into the, the park this evening, but even doing that, even walking down the street with my, my family this evening, uh, and our dog, just trying to get a sort of evening walk in. I had an angry motorist hooting his horn at me and telling me to get back inside. Mm. Um, so I think, mm. I think actually, you know, um, perhaps because we're seeing so many stories of people who have been ignoring, um, you know, there is a certain group of people um, who, who have the ability to stay home and have, for whatever reason, been treating this like a bank holiday, and that is not okay. Um, there's other people that we'll get onto who are out and about for very different reasons. But, um, uh, yeah, I think, like you, as a raging extrovert, I, I have to name the it's fact tough. that this is going yeah. to be tough. Can I, can I also sort of chuck this into the mix because I've been thinking about this since it all sort of kicked off because I think as a church as a broad church the way we understand um cultural engagement and mission and making a difference is we absolutely frame it by what we do like leaning into culture being there for the people that no one else wants to be there for physically rocking up you know define the authorities if needs be you know we that is our frame that is our narrative and so i found it extraordinarily challenging to that frame of reference thinking the way i can bless my community today is i stay at home yeah and and nothing in me says that's what it means to follow Jesus. Nothing in me. Mm. Everything in me is like, Rachel, you have got to get out there. The soup kitchens are all closed. The food banks are all closed. And so actually, I, I, I absolutely, I'm not, I'm not the only person. It's not only Christians that feel this. But I feel that raw, utterly raw battle in me that I, nothing in me wants to stay at home and, li- and, leave, and leave everybody to whatever's happening. I, I don't even want to just leave it to the NHS and the frontline staff as extraordinary areas they are I you know what does the front line look like so and yet my, my NHS friends are like saying to me Rachel stay at home <laughs> you know that's what you need to do don't be the bomb is what they're saying to me do not be the bomb um I, but I think that's and a number of people have contacted me um knowing that at Preston Minster we're doing two very targeted pieces of work with two very incredibly vulnerable groups of people in our city and we're doing it very safely and well but I've had so many people contact me saying please please what can I do because the thought of staying at home and doing nothing when you know there are people hungry is very hard so I think it's good to name that as well and seek God God on that because obviously (laughs) we need to be wise yeah 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 absolutely um I 
want to get on to a conversation we were just having before we started recording this. Uh, inevitably, you and I often have our most interesting conversations when we're not recording it. Um, but, uh, but we'll try and recapture it. Um, but, um, but so let's start with where many people listening to this will have been today and certainly where I, I was this morning, uh, a slightly new thing, you know, gathered with my family around the television set, uh, plugged into the laptop and we were live streaming uh, our church leaders uh, leading us in a little service this morning and there were some familiar elements to that there was some some songs uh, there was some prayers there was a little uh, talk um, and I think that was happening in all sorts of uh, places all around the country they were live streaming uh, church services and uh, and lots of people joining in and seeing them and, and actually I was I'm not going to we we must absolutely never get into the numbers game with this thing. It would be the easiest thing for us to trip up as we always do and go, oh, how many, look how many um, uh, people were logged onto my stream, uh, which is just utter foolishness, we know. Um, but it was interesting to see more people on that stream than normally come to our church service. So there is something interesting about that. Um, and and so, you know, there's there's lots of good stuff going on in what is a very trying moment. As we've said a lot of times, this is a great moment for innovation. Innovation always happens in adversity, in the, in the darkest moments, you know, great yeah. movements of art and technology and creativity have come out of moments where people have been in oppressed regimes or, um, you know, other really difficult circumstances, wartime, etc. Um, and this is a bit like that, like we're seeing innovation pop up in all these interesting ways. Often yeah. as well, let's be attentive to this, led by young people. Like we should be watching how young people are, um, are choosing to innovate in this moment to stay connected to each other um, and, and follow their lead, actually. But yeah. loads of good stuff going on in the church. And, uh, and I was part of something, um, as we talked about on the last podcast, um, with my youth group. Uh, 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 along those lines, but all this good stuff on online youth work, it's only part of the picture, isn't it? It is only part of the picture. And I also think wherever there's great innovation, particularly online, there's always the dinosaur like me so so we had our youth stream chat at the same time as we had the Preston service and I was trying to do both and then I hit the wrong button which meant that everything I was saying was being translated into Arabic and I couldn't work out I had to get back to English and then like one of the guys was like just get, get a new name like, just get a new name and just just start typing again just and I was like how do I do that and he said well just pick a nickname Nickname. So I went back to like when I was thirteen, and my nickname at school was Raggy. So I thought, oh, he obviously means like pick a nickname like it's your password. So then I started like messaging, chatting in English, but under the name Raggy, and everyone's like, who's Raggy? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was just a total disaster. So, I, and in the end, one of the guys got to block me because I, it was like, you're not contributing to the discipleship. And I'm like, which problem do I face? So anyway, so I, yeah, so that all aside, there will always be someone like me in the mix just going, how does this work? Can I switch on? I love, I love the oh. fact that you were, you, so you were translated accidentally into Arabic. That is amazing. That is even for you. I, people I don't know. know. People don't believe how, how Rachel you are sometimes. People don't believe it. They think you're putting it on. And, and she really is this, this wonderful. I am. Oh. 
anyway, so back to your same question. Yeah, what my, qu my question. Talking about my question. <laughs> my question was, um, uh, you know, this is only part of the picture, isn't it? And we were just starting to talk before we started recording about young people, the young people you're coming into contact with uh, around Preston, who who they're not going to be engaging with this kind of nice uh, middle class uh, online. You know, we've kind of created a, an, a, an online version of the middle class Christian youth group. Um, that's not going to work for everybody. No. And so, so just talk to me about some of the concerns you, you've started to feel. Yeah. Well, I, I've been chatting on the podcast, haven't I, about this wonderful bunch of young people aged 15 to 25 that hang around by the back of the Minster. Um, and since October, I've been doing detached youth work. My husband and I, and, and it's involved basically chatting to them every day, just going and chatting with them, inviting them to use the toilet in the Minster if they want to, giving them food. They absolutely point blank to refuse to come in, except this weekend. This weekend, they have been desperate to come in the building they are suddenly it's shifted gear they're just desperate for food they've got very volatile housing lots of them are taken into care in their late teen years so they've been given a bed sit but that's it it's that kind of like you know the lowest possible support because of a stretched social care team and on yesterday and I was just so conscious and I'm conscious saying this Martin that I'm about to say things that actually I shouldn't have been doing yesterday in terms of social distancing but yesterday, they, they, about 10 of them came into the building and I gave them coffee and I said, look, let's just try and sit distance apart. We have an enormous hall, so we could do that a bit. And I said to them, sort of shouted to them because they were spread around the hall. I said, listen, I've spent since October trying to get you lot in here. And now you're in here. I've got to ask you in 10 minutes, I've got to ask you to leave. And I was almost crying saying to them, if when this is over, you don't come back into this church, I'll be so cross with you. But um, just as they were leaving, each one of them telling me their story of, of genuine woe. And I was saying, look can I give you my mobile so that you can at least call me and I can bring some food around if you're sick and they don't have mobile phones they don't contact each other through mobile phones now these are young people who don't I mean I'm making it sound like they're walking around in rags they're not they, they look like regular young people look a bit closer you see that the clothes are very dirty but they, they aren't unusual and as I drove around Preston yesterday and today the city I noticed that adults are off the streets and young people are on the streets. And, and so I, I, you know, I'm deeply concerned for these young people. If they get ill, where do they go? Um, yeah. And I know that they will be at the Minster every day, out the back, mm. um, desperately lonely. So we're just talking about what, you know, what detached youth work looks like. But I, I'm not going to leave them. We're not, we're not going to abandon them. But I have mm. no idea... What, what we what we do um, but the interesting thing Martin actually is for the first time since October they actually want to talk really specifically about God and mm. one guy said to me this place will be heaving when this is over won't it because everyone's going to turn to God and I said oh that's why do you think that? And we had such an interesting conversation. So I think it has accelerated stuff. Because I'm saying to them, I might not see you for three more days. What food do you need? You know, I, tell me now. Let's cut all the BS. What, what do you need? What do you need right now? So I think it's interesting just, um, yeah, to, if we have groups of young people nearby that are in that category, I'd love to hear from people. Like, what, what should we do that abides by social distancing? And especially if there was a lockdown, um, what, what happens next? So, yeah, yeah. and there, there, there's no talk of a lockdown. Sorry, I shouldn't put that out there. That was just a thought in my head. 
There's no yeah. talk of a lockdown. But, you know, if things got to a point where certain areas were cordoned off, certain city centres, for example. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're pr- yeah. I'm praying about that. And that's driven me to prayer, which yeah. is good, isn't it? Well, that is good. And, and I think it, it's kind of, we've said this from the start, this is not a podcast where we are going to just basically give you a nice set of clean answers as to what you should do um, and, and just try and answer the easy questions. Um, you know, there's some really challenging you know, things that are being thrown up by, by this completely crazy situation that the like of which we've never seen before. And we absolutely would value hearing from those who might feel they had some wisdom to share on this and all the other things that we're talking about. So just to remind you, you can, uh, you can get in touch with us on uh, the usual kind of social media mechanisms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're usually at Youthscape or uh, on Facebook, we're Meet Youthscape. Um, you can email us as well podcast at youthscape.co.uk we really would this time particularly love to hear from you and make this as interactive as possible um rachel in a moment we are going to try and do something even more complicated than we've tried already and that is um we're going to try and switch uh, mode we're going to go to an interview um which i'm not even gonna lie you're doing tomorrow um so uh so we're gonna now we're gonna leave a little pause in this recording and then we're gonna you're gonna record something tomorrow and then amy producer amy by the way who is still there valiantly little shout out producer amy still stitching it together um and putting it out for us from home um and so she's going to put it all together tomorrow and uh, and get it hopefully uploaded so that you can all be listening to it right now um but um but yeah before we do that um we have one or two other things to talk about um so rach You've raised your hand. Well, I have raised my hand only because I had a sweet little story to segue us into this guest interview. But I can, I can, as you have often had to do on the podcast, I can hold that story back until we're just about to intro the guest if you want. So why don't you take us to the more current news that's kind of affecting the Christian community, particularly for this summer. Tell us, tell us what's going on. I should just explain as well that when I say you've raised your hand, you, 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 you've got this little blue hand that goes up on Zoom. <laughs> On the Zoom call, I can't actually see. Rachel and I don't have our video on when we're recording these things. And, uh, and Rachel has a little blue hand which appears. And it's, it's, I actually love it because it's, like, um, <laughs> it's like Rachel in real life. She does that always when we're talking. It's, it is a little bit. I do. I put my hand up. But the other thing is, it's just too tempting. It's like when, I, when I'm given a microphone and I've got like low blood sugar, I just keep talking. I think I wish someone would take the mic off me. Like my finger is hovered over the raised hand button all the time. And I just want to like wait until Martin's in the middle of an amazing story and then just keep pressing it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I promise I won't overuse it. But we're yeah, all, no, We're all waiting for me to tell an amazing story, but it's, it's a long wait that is ongoing. It's just not happening um, yet. <laughs> Just a, a couple of things then. So, um, yeah, before we go to the interview, we should just talk about the fact that obviously since we last recorded, a number of the major um, festivals and events in the Christian calendar, particularly the evangelical Christian calendar, have uh, made a very difficult decision to uh, cancel their 2020 events. And so uh, just in the last few days, Spring Harvest, uh, Big Church Day Out and New Wine have all announced that they're not going to run in 2020. I mean, from a sort of a purely Christian bubble perspective, that makes this feel even more extraordinary. The thought that all these kind of huge uh, staple events of our of our calendar 
are not going to be taking place. Um, and I think people have, I've not seen anybody criticize any of those decisions. I think everybody knows that that's the right thing to do, but we don't underestimate the huge kind of impact of that on, on particularly the organizations and those working for them. Many people, you know, will already be having, you know, conversations about their, their roles as a result of this. Um, but, but also, you know, the number, you know, thousands and thousands of people for whom it's a massively important moment in their faith journey each year. Um, it's not going to be happening. Um, Rach, you were due to be speaking at some of these things. How are you feeling? Yes. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I, I actually feel that I'm, of course, everyone's allowed an opinion, but I really feel that the, the fact of them closing and, and me not speaking is, is such a tiny, is such a tiny thing in the grand scale that I'm really like speaking hard to myself and saying, yeah, this, this is tiny compared to, um, you know, what's going on, people losing their jobs, and the rest of it. Um, and it's, it, but, but the other part of me thinks, actually, what's going to be quite interesting is that for all of these different organisations who have taken this decision with a lot of care and mindfulness, even though in a way it was obvious they had to do it, I do think it does open up space for some really helpful, good conversations about what's going to re-emerge. Um, because I, you know, I, I absolutely, it's such a privilege to speak at these places and speak into what God's doing, but only because... Um, I'm speak. I had the chance to speak into what God is doing, um, and and always one of the challenges for me is um, you know raising up other voices and other spaces and coming to a place where I'm you know actually it's okay for me not to be there anymore. And that's a good, that's an ego hit, isn't it? Really. Mm. So I guess I'm, a lot of us are, are saying this is really sad, and we recognise there are people that work back office all the time who will be feeling very concerned about their jobs and what happens next. But in yeah. a kind of a cultural church space, it's also really, I think, going to be a really interesting time for us to say, well, you know, what does a church look like when we enter a state place? We can't do it this way. Um, and let's get some new thinking around it. So I both feel very disappointed for the events, but also quite hopeful of what might come out after it. Yeah. Well put, well put. So um, I think you're now ready with your amusing anecdote slash sweet story as um, you're going to lead us into our guest uh, who we haven't, we haven't interviewed yet. And, and if he cancels on us, I don't know what we do now. I don't know what it's, um, it's Well, the, the interesting story in, and actually in the middle of me, like this is a classic example, in the middle of me saying all of that, my daughter came in and was writing notes to me to say, what do I do now? So even though I'm still speaking, I'm like thinking, oh my goodness, that's the reality of our lives now, isn't it? We're going to do many things at once. So um, my, uh, my little story is yesterday when these young people came into the Minster. Um, and one of the things I'd read that morning in a paper was actually one of the tr ways that this virus is transmitted is flesh on flesh contact. So as well as shouting at them saying, you guys had better come back in the Minster when it reopens I also said and if I see any flesh on flesh contact you're out of here which they all thought was hilarious and it kind of threw me back to oh my goodness this feels like a sex education lesson <laughs> like this is teaching about STI transmission um, oh. and actually the guest that we're going to speak to now in his discipline is HIV, STI transmission. He works for ASSET, AIDS Care Education Training, and he heads up um, um, esteem, ASSET Esteem in the UK. He's called Gareth Cheeseman. Many of us will know um, his name from youth ministry and being all over the place. Um, he, is, he himself is a virus of hope for the church to get involved with this conversation. But I'm going to chat to him because I 
think there'll be some really interesting parallels, not not answers, but parallels between, you know, working in the area of pandemics and sexual pandemics and how do you communicate a message of risk that isn't just about physical risk, but you're also taking young people's mental and emotional well-being. And so as we carry and, and support young people through this space that feels at the moment mostly about physical risk or the emphasis on stay safe stay away stay at home and yet we know straight away there's an immediate knock-on for emotional health mental health spiritual health you know what are some of the things that we can learn from this discipline of how we work with a whole person even if an emphasis we have to make because of immediate risk is around physical stuff so i'm really looking forward to hearing from him about pandemics and what we can learn from the HIV and transmission and that whole journey around keeping people safe. Uh, there we go. So let's see what happens, shall we? So here we go with an interview that hasn't happened yet and may not even take place. Let's, let's see what happens. Uh, <laughs> the next thing you hear will either be Rachel interviewing Gareth Cheeseman or us again being slightly embarrassed. I'm thrilled to be joined very last minute by a great friend, Gareth. Gareth, in a nutshell, tell us who you are. Who are you? Um, my name's Gareth. I work for a charity called Asset UK. I originally trained as a, a youth worker, studying youth work and applied theology. And then when I was working as a community youth worker, I got the chance to do some relationships and sex education training, which I took just so that I could be better talking about those topics in youth clubs. And then it slowly became more and more part of my work. So it became half my work, going into lots of schools, providing relationships and sex education. And for the last five years, it's been my full-time job, working for Asset UK, providing relationships and sex education and training other youth workers to do the same. That's fantastic. And people might be thinking, why at a time of national crisis have you chosen to scrap the the, uh, the podcast interview for today and interview somebody whose background is sex and relationships. Well, I think very simply that um, assets, Gareth, esteem, many of us who work in this area have been thinking for a long time about how you talk to young people about risk. And I guess, Gareth, that is, you know, it, this is unprecedented times, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about working with young people in a climate of, of acute physical risk. So just just give us a little idea from your point of view before we get into that how has your life changed this last week because of the coronavirus outbreak well like many people the biggest change look like for you now well like many people the biggest change has been the shift to working from home and social distancing and uh, almost complete social isolation um, luckily, uh, me and my wife uh, get on really well in the moment in the house together. And but that whole change of rhythm of life, getting ready and setting up for work in the mornings, and it's just a complete shift in the, that rhythm and the way that our life we're running. It's incredible, isn't it? I don't know quite, you know, how the impact is going to have on us. We're yet to see, aren't we? So. So talking about this risk stuff then, um, I was with some young people on Saturday who are telling me they're not going to self-isolate, they don't know where they'd go. Um, and I was thinking, gosh, how do I have conversations with them? It doesn't fill them with panic, but that actually helps them understand this. So tell us a little bit about, um, from, from your perspective, how can we be having these conversations? How do we engage young people in conversations about risk? 
Well, I'm, I'm drawing on some of my recent study because I've had the privilege of uh, I'm working for a master's in public health at the moment. And for all kind of public health messages, whether it's, you know, uh, healthy attitudes towards food or stop smoking or drinking or sexual health, there are some very common themes across all these areas. The idea that people have to first have uh, free things to generally make a change for their life to be better. They have to first have a knowledge of why they need to change. They have to have an attitude that's going to motivate them to change. And then they have to have the skills will actually affect change. That's incredible. And I guess in those three areas, we're kind of rapidly having to upskill in all three, aren't we? In, in terms of, can tell us a bit more than about your, your research into how we can change young people, help young people change their knowledge, attitudes and behaviour around sexual health. Like what are some of the themes that you've seen over the years that have helped educators like you encourage young people to change their thinking and their behaviour? What could we learn from that that we could use at this time? Well, the first thing is awareness raising, which is factual and helpful. So um, when you looked at the first uh, the HIV pandemic, a lot of the information campaigns were fear based and they really weren't very effective because what they did is they created a lot of stigma attached to infections. And that proved to be very counterproductive because it prevents people who actually are requiring medical um, interventions from seeking help. Mm -hmm. So a key part of that first step of raising the knowledge is making sure that we're giving factual information, not fear-based scare tactics, because they're really good fear tactics to create an immediate reaction in people's behavior, but it doesn't create that long-term change in behavior, which is what we really need to see, whether it's tackling sexual health epidemics or it's tackling with uh, unprecedented global pandemics. And then you said that, led, what was the second one that that led on to then? So you've got the kind of the knowledge, like why this matters. And that can sometimes mm. be driven by fear and panic. We want that to be a bit more substantial. What's the second thing it leads on to then? What was the second change? So secondly, we're looking at attitudes. So w why we should do something. And should we do something for ourselves, for our local community or for society as a whole? So we're starting to see this coming through recently with some of the, um, the most the kind of the publications and the advertising that the uh, public health is doing about stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. You can see that kind of that pull towards the attitude of this is actions for the, the social good. And that is a really powerful motivator for some people. But for other people, they're, they're not quite there yet. For whatever situation they're in at the moment, they need their attitudes to also be motivated by what they can do for their very immediate community, for the people they know personally, and also for some people, what just what they need to do for themselves. So we're looking at kind of empowering young people to realise how much um, control they actually do have. So empowering and encouraging them to see that this isn't something which they've got nothing they can do, but this is something that they have huge influence over, that they have great opportunity to improve their own life and then to improve the life of first the people they know in their immediate circle and also to be a force for good in the wider community. That's incredible. I think we are already seeing real innovation coming out of youth culture aren't we as, as mm. young people are taking their lives online even more and creating really fabulous ways to connect because that's the third one you were talking about wasn't it the skills what skills do we need to develop to kind of cope in this new 
in this new space mm. where, where our behavior is different and we, we're responding well to the knowledge. And I guess we're seeing that. I guess one of the things that is on my heart at the moment that I'm talking a lot about everywhere is those young people who are not part of strong networks or supportive mm. communities or safe families who might not have access to technology and who at the moment, as the world changes dramatically, they are suddenly being left massively behind in the way that many of our elderly community are. It's a similar challenge. They're isolated, haven't got access to tech, haven't got people around them to care for them. So are we going to see, do you think, as the pandemic sort of develops over the next few weeks, are we going to see almost a two-tier in terms of our youth work, those young people that can access networks online, can access support, and those who are just going to be massively left behind unless there are people who are prepared to physically be with them. What's, what's your hunch around that? My hunch is that the kind of skills that we're going to need to go forward um, to stay connected um, when we have to have this kind of physical um, social distancing is going to be varied. And what that will mean for different people um, will come out in different ways. And it's going to take a bit of a cultural shift in some of our attitudes. Historically, I think um, youth culture, as well as kind of culture at large sometimes, can look down on those people whose primary relational network is through digital means. But actually, those online communities have laid the foundations, which suddenly broad sections of community are going to have to get used to doing and realizing that this needs to be our primary way of maintaining that essential human contact, which uh, we all need in different ways. I think we could see a shift towards maybe a bit of, I wouldn't say it would just be a two-tier system, but a kind of divide between those who can afford and are comfortable using technology with those who maybe, maybe they can afford it, but they're not comfortable, or maybe they can, um, maybe they're Maybe they just can't afford it and they would love to have some more digital routes of communication. So looking out at all the forms of communication available to us from um, traditional letter writing, pen and paper, to telephones, to Zoom video calls and everything in between. This whole idea of using all the tools available to us to ensure communication increases um, between people over the next weeks and months. So this is so helpful, Gareth. And just, um, I think all of us would love to sit down and have a coffee and chat more about this and learn more from you and the team at Asset about how you've sort of managed um, sort of educate the education piece in times of pandemic. Um, but if there was one thing that you think um, a youth worker who maybe is a bit like me, they've got their kids at home or, they, or they're in isolation, they can't do things like they used to, but they want to stay in touch with their young people what, and, and young people around. What, what would be one thing that you think would be a really helpful message that you fear maybe isn't really appropriately getting through to youth culture because the way it's being delivered is still by men in suits? <laughs> like what, what is it that we could do to help make sure that the young people that we are um, in contact with get the knowledge, the appropriate skills, and they can kind of make the changes that are necessary? What would you like us to, to be saying? I think a key thing is settling in for the long haul. A lot of um, uh, the immediate messages, you know, the skills we've been teaching young people have been based on um, what is happening in the immediate short term. So looking at washing hands and, you know, what can we do this week, this day? But actually, we need to be settling in for the long haul here. And if that means that we have to go slower and do less now so that we can do more for longer, that's a good step that is a healthy, that's needed. We need to set up things which are sustainable for the long haul. 
and helping young people to realize that this is um, something which we're all in together and this is going to be a seismic shift in the way that we behave but this isn't forever this isn't going to be um, what how we are behaving now is long term it's not permanent and helping young people to have that perspective of the difference between it's not short term this is long term but it's not permanent is going to be really healthy for them and encourage them to maintain the good practices that we all need um, whilst also keeping a hope for the future and we have a rich tradition of this i think that there is a lot from the um, our historic christian history which we can draw upon on the value in being still on slowing down on taking time on being um, uh, separate from large groups of people and drawing on those rich veins of our kind of shared history is really going to be something which we're going to have to be more confident in explaining and talking to young people about and maybe some of us who are more extroverted we're going to have to do some quick learning ourselves to be happy with our own company and smaller groups of people. Mm. Gareth, I am taking every word directly to my heart. This is so life-bringing, and I know that it'll help so many people. Thank you so much for your time and sharing these thoughts with us today. Thank you. And for us, it's, it is a big change that we're shifting everything the way we do, from changing the way we operate as a team to the way that we operate with young people and schools to we're turning all of our accredited training into an online provision as well. It's, it's a huge change and we're going we're gonna to be seeing more changes over the next few weeks. Um, so let's go consistent and let's go steady and make sure that we're, we're, we're doing the best for young people uh, over the next coming months. Thank you. But I think we'll leave it there. Brilliant. Gareth, that was amazing. That was amazing. So, Rachel, I believe uh, that will have been a great interview that we just heard. Uh, unless, unless we didn't, in which case this is all very awkward. Let's, let's continue on that basis. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so we're going to keep doing these podcasts. Um, as I said, it's, um, it's going to be pretty lonely and boring for us. If you don't get involved, we know you've got the wisdom. Um, we know you've got great stories of stuff that's going on when you are. So please, um, get in touch, talk to us, uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk. Also, you can tweet us at Youthscape or you can reach on Instagram, Facebook and so on. Um, Just something to make um, everyone aware of. Uh, On the Youthscape website, we have a dedicated uh, live blog. Uh, The um, uh, address is www.youthscape.co.uk slash coronavirus. Um, And uh, that's where you can find a regularly updated kind of rolling series of uh, posts um, where we're sharing some good stuff that's going on in different places. We're letting people know about some of the things that we're up to. And just one of the latest things on there, we have just, uh, we worked at the end of last week with 31.8 to to start to produce a document. I don't think it'll be the final draft, by the way. I think there'll be um, another couple of additions to this as we roll with this situation, but a first draft of some online safeguarding guidance. It's not a policy, um, but for um, you and your, uh, whoever you're doing youth ministry with, if you're working online with young people, one of the first concerns has got to be 
how do you do this safely? Because as we talked about um, on here, I think one of the last episodes, um, uh, you know, we are asking youth workers to draw young people into a space which has been the very place where some of the worst safeguarding stuff has happened. Um, and so we're not going to be unwise about that. We want to be as wise as we can. And so we have produced this thing with 318. Um, we're really proud of it. But as I said, it's not, the, it's not the last word on the matter. So you can download it for free. Uh, from our website, from 318's website as well. Um, and it's an online safeguarding guidance document on which you can base then an online safeguarding policy. So please do go and get hold of that. Rachel, you haven't raised your hand. I hope you're still there. No, <laughs> no I haven't. I, I was just reflecting, as you said, about um, the, 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 yeah, the concerns around entering a space that traditionally we're just that's where some of the worst kind of um, abuse of young people takes place. I was just thinking back to our conversation at the beginning that, you know, here's me saying I'm worried about physically being with young people because of what that means. And, and it seems like a great irony, doesn't it, that we've come to a point in society where, you know, we always felt, you know, we would kind of weaponize any kind of interaction with young people. Well, it's slightly happening now because of a virus. Yeah. Not because I'm unsafe for young people, they're unsafe in my presence, because of a virus. But it means that I'm sat here second-guessing, am I allowed to go and be physically chatting with a bunch of more than three young people? I mean, that, mm. that's a kind of dystopian view of life that we never thought we'd get to. So I think you're right, these are new, new spaces that we need to um, yeah, be so conscious of, but not pull back from young people how do we not pull back from them um so safety is, is paramount um mm. but we, we yeah we, we make our way through so interesting interesting days so martin i'm gonna love you and leave you in a minute and i wanted to say publicly i'm gutted that we're not doing these sat next to each other because you're a great friend and there are many friends listening to this i'm gutted i'm not going to be sat next to you and leah pike running youthscape essentials for a little while you know it's, load of people that I think oh I just would love to see them for a coffee but those times will come again and this is a great way that we can stay connected with each other so keep chatting keep contacting us keep putting your little things on Insta and Twitter and Facebook this is a brilliant way to stay connected right I'm off to plan my key stage one spelling um <laughs> which I'm not even joking it's come to this no, um no, yeah you're not. <laughs> stay safe stay well everyone stay two meters apart and we will see you again soon <laughs>